The AI Today podcast, produced by Cognolytica, cuts through the hype and noise to identify what is really happening now in the world of artificial intelligence. Learn about emerging AI trends, technologies, and use cases from Cognolytica analysts and guest experts. Hello, and welcome to the AI Today podcast. I'm your host, Kathleen Mulch. And I'm your host, Ronald Schmelzer. So today we have a special guest. Our guest is Alex Measure, who is the economist at the Bureau of Labor Statistics, and who's going to share with us what they're doing with AI. So hi, Alex. Thanks so much for joining us today. Hi, Kathleen and Ron. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, welcome, Alex, and thanks for joining us. We'd like to start by having you introduce yourself to our listeners and tell them a little bit about your background and your role at BLS. Sure. I am an economist by training. Uh, I started at BLS about 10 years ago in an office that we call the uh, Occupational Safety and Health Statistics Program. And one of the things that I did as a new economist in the Occupational Safety and Health Statistics Program is help collect information about work-related injuries and illnesses. And the way we do that is we send out a big survey to hundreds of thousands of establishments. We ask them to uh, describe the injuries that occurred, and then we collect that information. And one of my jobs was to sort of go through this data and make sure that we were classifying it uh, correctly. And so one of the ways we classify things is we look at For example, the job title of the worker, and we assign some occupation codes so that we can sort of add up all of these occupations into one group and see how many injuries happen to janitors, for example. And one of my jobs was to review the way that we were doing that classification. And the way we were doing that sort of thing uh, was by hand, uh, which happens to be a way that most organizations do that sort of thing even today. So I did that work. It's a very important work, but it was not the funnest thing in the world for me. And so that got me interested in automated techniques for processing this sort of data. This happened to be right around the time that websites like Coursera and others were launching free machine learning, natural language processing, and neural network courses. And I took those courses. I started applying them to the work we were doing And we discovered it worked very well. And so, for example, we discovered we could use these machine learning techniques to perform the classification automatically more accurately uh, than our trained human staff. And so my role has shifted over time from economist to now sort of a machine learning person. I'm now involved in a wide variety of machine learning activities throughout the Bureau of Labor Statistics. Mm, that's great. Interesting. I, I think that you know people don't realize that the government is basically so much involved with the statistics and data and, and basically building these machine learning models, even more so than what they may be aware of at Google and Facebook and Amazon. You know, there's, there's just as much data in the uh, government organizations. And as a matter of fact, you know, when we spend a lot of our time working with and talking to companies and government agencies that are at various different points on their adoption of AI, and some of them don't know where to begin. And this is kind of what we do here at Coglinica. As you know, we offer various uh, training programs to help these organizations get started and break down those AI, AI projects to what we call the seven patterns of AI and introduce these various methodologies for doing AI right. So you know, for those who are getting started, hopefully they can, they can do that. 
But I know that you know, federal agencies such as yourselves you are looking for use cases for how AI can be implemented today and deliver real value. So can you share with our audience, I know we had you at our AI and government meetup event as well, which, which we run, and you shared a really interesting example of how the BLS was using machine learning to help automate its on- analysis and workforce data to deliver some new insights faster. So maybe you can kind of go into that example for our audience here. Yeah, so uh, so this was sort of building off of this uh, survey of work-related injury and illness data that we collected. And as I mentioned before, we go through and we classify this data or code this data in a number of ways. We code it by occupation. We code it by the type of injury that the person experienced. We assign uh, roughly six codes to every single case, and we're getting about 300,000 of these each year. Uh, what we found was that with machine learning, we could sign these codes more accurately on average than our trained human staff. And so over the last uh, five years, it sort of uh, transformed the way that we process this data. Five years ago, it was done entirely by hand. This past year, we assigned more than 80% of these codes or classifications automatically using deep neural networks. And we expect you know, this trend to continue not just as sort of in our survey of injuries and illness, but in a wide variety of other projects and programs in BLS that do very similar activities. Yeah, and I just wanted to follow up on that real quick because I remember from we were, were lucky to have you do a presentation. It may be very hard to do this in the podcast format, but you talked about your experience moving from what well, you had used a logistic regression, I think, and had, and had some difficulty and you moved to neural nets. And people may not necessarily be thinking about neural nets for this sort of quantitative task, but, but maybe you can explain a little bit about that. I know we don't have the benefit of slides here, but maybe you can explain a little bit about that, the decision to move from one form to the next to our audience here. Yeah, well, uh, so the the logistic regression, and neural networks are in some sense just an extension of logistic regression, but basically what logistic regression is doing is is we're taking a big data set of all these uh, sort of injury descriptions, which have been coded manually, and logistic regression is learning how uh, the various words that occur in those narratives are associated with the various codes. It's learning that from large amounts of data that has already been coded. So in our case, we have tons of data, and it can learn those relationships pretty well, and we found it was uh, very effective. But it does have some difficulties in capturing some of the nuances of language, because uh, in our case, the logistic regression model is really just looking at which words show up, not uh, necessarily the order in which those words occur. And it's sort of difficult to capture that sort of information in a logistic regression model. So as we uh, became sort of uh, more uh, experienced with machine learning and as the tools for developing deep neural networks uh, progressed, we decided to uh, start experimenting with those. Deep neural networks are better able to capture some of the relationships between words, the order in which words occur and some of the contextual meaning that's embedded in that. And so we found that by switching to deep neural networks, although it's a, it's a lot harder to implement than a logistic regression system, we also got a big improvement in performance. Yeah, you know, that's interesting to point out, and I'm sure that our listeners who are trying to figure out which algorithm to use, it's helpful to hear how others are doing it and, you know, what you've done, what you've tested, and then how you've moved forward with that. 
The public sector has a lot to gain from AI, from predictive analytics to autonomous systems, you know, better engagement with your citizens, which I think at the end of the day is what everybody wants and so on. So we outline these various use cases in our seven patterns of AI, which makes thinking about and running AI projects much more manageable. And when you figure out what exactly you're doing with your data and your AI, then it's you're able to have more successful projects. So what are a few areas where you're seeing AI effectively being used in the federal government, either within your agency or other agencies? Well, so I'll talk, I'll focus mostly on what's happening in, in my agency because that's probably what I know about most. But, uh, you know, obviously this uh, text classification thing is, is a very big challenge for uh, our organization. We collect a lot of text information through surveys. And in the past, all this text information really had to be reviewed sort of by hand because we didn't have any other way of doing that. What's happened with these new, these advances in machine learning and natural language processing is that we now have computer systems that can do this or at least help us do this very effectively. And so we've seen a whole bunch of program, a whole bunch of projects launch in the BLS focused in particular at this sort of task of looking at a piece of text and finding it some classification. So we do this, you know, not only for injuries and illnesses, but for occupations. We're looking at doing this for job activities and job tasks. We're looking at doing this for products and industries. And uh, there's all these important concepts that we sort of deal with in economics uh, come from, uh, often start out with these classification tasks. And so that's a big area for us. But there's a bunch of other important areas where we're interested, where we see lots of promise for using machine learning. So one big, another big one for us is record matching. You have these two data sets that you'd like to combine, but they don't have a sort of unique identifier that you can join them on. Well, it turns out you can reformulate this as another classification task. And so basically you train the model to look at a pair of records and classify them as either being a match or not a match. And what we found is that, you know, even when you don't have identifiers like the names of people and the names of companies, even when you're just uh, trying to match on on various other characteristics, we found that this can be very effective. And we now do this actually for our senses of fatal occupational injuries when we need to merge data from the Occupational Safety and Health Administration with data that we've collected through our programs. We use this machine learning now to help us do that. Another really big area for us is data review. You think about what we're sort of doing in the statistical agencies. We're collecting a bunch of data often through surveys. And then the next big part of what we do is going through that data and figuring out which parts of it are correct and which parts are not. And we're collecting massive amounts of data. So that's a very big task. There's been some sort of preliminary work at using machine learning to help us flag these pieces of information that are most likely to have errors. And that work has been very promising and I think uh, likely to be uh, another big application of machine learning in government statistics. Stepping back a little more broadly, I think one of the really interesting areas that I've been hearing about lately is in application with uh, involving imagery. So, for example, one big source of imagery is uh, satellite imagery, and we now have these satellites going, they now have tons of satellites flying all over the world, taking pictures of everything, and they're taking pictures all the time. And there's a ton of information that's captured in that imagery. 
The problem is, at least the problem used to be, that in order to pull information out of that imagery, you needed human analysts to go through and sort of say, okay, that's a building, that's a car, that's a tree, that's a whatever. What's happening now with machine learning is that you can actually train computer systems to do that for you. And that opens up another huge data set that had previously been sort of infeasible. So I've seen a lot of interesting sort of applications of satellite imagery lately, and I think that's another big area where machine learning will have a big impact. Yeah, that's interesting you bring that up because, you know, imagery for us is part of our recognition pattern, and we're finding a lot more use cases that people are starting to use. So it was a great point that you brought up. And I also appreciated listening to all the different ways that the Bureau of Labor Statistics is using machine learning and artificial intelligence. Because I think that it's not always shared in the ways that it should be. You know, many agencies are doing many different things, but I feel like sometimes they're siloed. And that's why it's so important to get the word out about what you're doing, because you can help other agencies in their journey with AI as well. And I know that Ron had mentioned earlier that you were able to present at one of our first AI in governments. But for all of our listeners who are in the D.C. region, and especially if you're in the federal space, we encourage you to attend the AI and government events. And you can find more at AIandgovernment.com because it really is a great platform for different individuals to share what they're doing within their agencies. Yeah. So, you know, interestingly enough, you know, when we hear about these things, these diverse use cases, they may sound to be very specific to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, but they're actually very, you know, I I could think of like so many examples from so many different customers who are saying the same thing. We have a customer who was at one of our training sessions who's in the real estate business and the built in the, I think it's the design build industry. And they're trying to do document classification on architectural drawings. It sounds very similar, right? Very different use case, but the specific pattern is the same, right? This is what we we talk about our patterns, right? So if you go to cognolitica.com slash training, you can see more about our training sessions there and some of the patterns there. And if you go to aitoday.live, you can kind of see more about our patterns. I think we have an up, some upcoming webinar you can attend on our seven patterns. We actually just had one the other day. You could sign up to see our replay or you can see our upcoming webinar sessions. So those are very common. I think you know there's a lot of people doing the predictive analytics. They're doing patterns. They're doing recognition. So what do you think are some of the unique challenges? So maybe some of the things that may be unique to the federal government around data usage that possibly could be obstacles for agencies looking to make greater use of AI. Yeah, well, I, you know, I think one of the big challenges is sort of access to data, right? So if you think about what allows these uh, machine learning systems to be created, the key piece that you need is lots and lots, ideally lots and lots of training data. And the government has lots of training data, but it's often, you know, it's protected, rightly so. But those protections also sort of complicate the building of these machine learning systems, you know. So, you know, obviously one of the complications of protecting the data is that it does make it harder to share the data with, you know, outside researchers, which might be able to help contribute to these automation techniques. So that, you know, I think that's a very difficult challenge that a lot of people are trying to work through. But I think that is something that, you know, the government rightly takes very seriously, but, you know, also has a lot of legal obligation to protect. Yeah, it's always interesting to hear how people use data and that it's not just a federal government 
that has rules and regulations around this. I think as there's more data breaches and we find that AI is being used more and more and what exactly we can do with this data, I think that more companies are going to be crunching down on that as well, especially with a few things that have happened in banking and financial industries. So as a final note, what do you believe the future of AI is in general and its application to corporations, governments, and beyond? Uh, Well, I like that saying that uh, the future is already here. It's just not evenly distributed. Mm -hmm. I think if you take the techniques that exist today and you distribute them throughout the government and throughout the organization, throughout the private sector, even that would be a massive change in the way that we do things. So I think uh, the future is going to see very big changes in the way that we do sort of routine or sort of repetitive tasks made possible by the greater use of machine learning. I think we're going to see that particularly in the processing of language information and image information. I think we're already seeing that. I think we're also going to see, you know, some of the challenges that are associated with building and maintaining these systems become more and more important. So I think one thing that's easy to to forget about when building this machine learning AI system is that once you build it, you have to maintain it and make sure it continues to work the way that you want it to work. That's a big challenge that, you know, a lot of people are going to have to sort of figure out as these systems become more common. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think we're starting to see a lot of these sort of interesting challenges that are now focused more on the issues around data and data sharing, as you mentioned, there's that tension between, on the one hand, wanting to make more use of data and build models that can be used for all sorts of benefits, but then at the same time, trying to secure access to that data and limit access to data, especially given that when you open up the door, sometimes they go where places you don't want it to go and be posted on Amazon Nest 3 buckets, for example, (laughs) (laughs) as what happened in the Capital One case, you know. So you have to, you know, there's a little tension there. We'll have to sort of figure out kind of how organizations resolve that tension. And also, of course, what we're seeing in terms of just these, these different use cases. Now people are focusing on not necessarily just making and building their own models, but consuming models. One of the big things we're going to be focusing, I know at Cognolytica in 2020, is we'll be looking a lot closer at machine learning operations, mm-hmm. ML ops and AI and ML ops, which has to do with more like, you know, consuming third party models and doing that in, in, a, in a situation where things are continuously changing. So that's something to, to keep an eye on for that. So Alex, you know, I think you're, you're at the cutting edge here. You're really doing things that are really at the edge of innovation for most firms. I think you may even be doing things that people might want to look to your organization for example. So I really thank you very much for joining us on this podcast. We really have enjoyed having you as a guest. And for listeners that are interested in digging more, we're actually going to be digging a little bit deeper with Alex. For those of you that aren't aware, we now have some special bonus episodes that we share on our AIToday.live channel. You could sign up for that announcement. We'll be continuing the conversation with Alex there in those bonus episodes. So please uh, go to AIToday.live and sign up and you will basically get access to those extra episodes for our registered members. So Alex, we just wanted to thank you very much for participating with us here on this portion of the AI Today uh, podcast. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, thanks so much for joining us today. We really enjoyed having you on this podcast. And listeners, if you enjoy listening to this podcast, please rate us on iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify, and also on your favorite podcast platform. As always, we'll post any articles and concepts discussed in the show notes. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you at the next podcast. And that's a wrap for today. To download this episode, find additional episodes and transcripts, subscribe to our newsletter, and more, please visit our website at cognolitica.com. Join the discussion in between podcasts on the AI Today Facebook group. 
and make sure to join the Cognolytica Facebook page for updates on this and future podcasts. Also subscribe to our podcast in iTunes, Google Play, and elsewhere to get notified of future episodes. Want to support this podcast and get your message out to our listeners? Then become a sponsor. We offer significant benefits for AI Today sponsors, including promotion in the podcast and landing page, and opportunities to be a guest on the AI Today show. For more information on sponsorship, visit the Cognolytica website and click on the podcast link. This sound recording and its contents is copyright by Cognolytica. All rights reserved. Music by Matsu Gravas. As always, thanks for listening to AI Today, and we'll catch you at the next podcast.